welcome back to the Project 99 podcast. It is October 31st, 2021. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Um, I feel like this is the least exciting Halloween. It doesn't feel like Halloween at all. I've been trying to watch a lot of scary movies, and I did get a costume, but it just doesn't feel very Halloween-y. I know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. I was pretty mad I tried to get pumpkins yesterday, and everywhere was sold out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Why do well, people buy up all the pumpkins in fucking August? I want to carve a pumpkin today. Right. I think like the holidays are being completely ruined by what again? Capitalism. Because we have Valentine's stuff out and Christmas isn't even here yet. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's literally yeah, no ridiculous. It got, it's just insane. In September, we saw uh, Christmas decorations at Lowe's. I know. And like you couldn't find Halloween stuff. And no. I'm like, it's September. Like halloween is a month away and you can't find stuff because it's already over like commercially it's already over it's so dumb yeah it sucks because halloween's my favorite i wonder if other countries are doing that or just america i don't know that's a good that's a good question i don't know we're gonna hand out candy or do something festive though like we usually do just hand out candy but um and have like a little party but holidays are a lot of work because most people work like way too much anyway so like you barely have time to they gotta work a lot so they can afford all those christmas decorations (laughs) well i mean living costs a lot of money but i don't know it's just like you're just so busy constantly that you know when it comes upon a holiday you have to do like all of your normal stuff that's behind plus the holiday stuff by the time it's over you're just like i'm so glad that's over yeah i haven't even decorated my house in like two years it sucks. It used to be one of my favorite things. Now I just feel like I'm so exhausted from like work and stuff that I I don't even do it. I know Juke was like, just take all my decorations. Yeah. So I like decorated it. She came down and helped me decorate at my house. So we like combined our efforts, which was actually pretty smart to just combine our efforts and like decorate together one place instead of both of us trying to do two different places. But um, yeah, it's just a lot. It'll be fun though. Now on to the truly scary topic. <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> No, so, Democrats are scary, too. Like, I was telling somebody at work, um, you know, I, I was counting money, which is funny because I'm sitting there, and every time I count money, I think about the fact that the people on the money, the pictures of the presidents on the money are the people that didn't want a central bank. So it's kind of like a slap in the face to them that the Federal Reserve puts their faces on it. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's funny. But... um. I mean, Hamilton, he he wanted it, but I don't know. So I was ranting about that, and then I started talking about Benjamin Franklin. He's my favorite, favorite founding father because he was a socialist. And um, and I got somebody at work, like, I was ranting, and I just to myself, like, at first, but then he was like, I think I should be writing this down. So, like, I kind of just kept talking, and then I got to the point where I started talking about, um, you know, the cabal that runs the government. And... Of course, I include Obama and Biden in it as well, and Trump and everybody. And um, then he said, just don't talk about George Bush. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you mean um, the George Bush that um, covered up 9-11 and um, Biden and Obama, who've also refused to release the names of the Saudis who who basically attacked our country? Or do you mean George Bush, ex-CIA, Iran-Contra <laughs> cover-up? Well, I mean, I think he meant like, I don't know, he might have meant the older Bush, but... I'm just like, yeah, like they're scumbags, like all of them. And then he just was like, oh, the last thing that made him mad was he pointed out that um, 
I said, I don't know why businesses don't just have like, they're glad for diversity because on holidays, like instead of having all your employees off at the same time for like religious holidays, like they give everybody, like some businesses close down on Christmas and stuff. So like you have to close down, but like if you have diverse employee base, right? You just have like Jewish people wear Christmas and then like Christians wear Hanukkah and like whatever the Muslim holiday, like they take their holiday off. And, um, that way, you know, everybody gets to have their holidays. Just give people like a certain number and like you can use them for whatever holidays they want. Cause like, I don't care to be off on Easter. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, yeah, but there's only one problem with that. And I'm like, what? And he comes over and points to the money where it says in God we trust. And I was like, oh, you mean that phrase that was added on there during the 1950s when the Red Scare was happening? And <laughs> I don't know, like. It's not a good way to make friends. <laughs> I know. Like, it just makes me so mad. And then he's like, no, I mean, because our country was founded on Christianity. I was like, well, that's kind of mostly myth. And he's like, it's not myth. And he walked away. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I probably went too far today. <laughs> Because I don't really discuss politics. Well, if they really at work. believe in that, then why don't they fight to have everybody have those holidays off? I don't know. It's Stupid. Just... But anyway, so we've been covering Iran Contra, and this is the third part, probably the last part. We might talk a little bit about like fallout of Iran Contra or other things that the Reagan presidency caused, just because it's so historical, um, or maybe some of the journalists that got caught up in that. But for now, this will be probably the last Iran Contra. Part. I mean, you can't even scratch the surface. Like, no, we've done like two episodes and I'm like, yeah, we've got like half of probably what I've read and like thought was important. And let me just say that like if you do watch a lot of documentaries on Iran-Contra, <clears throat> like it's just unless you sit down and watch the entire congressional testimony, which I don't even know how long it went on, but um, there's like so many side issues that happen. It's so and much contradicting information. So many people involved in it. Like it really was a massive, massive operation. I mean, obviously it went on for years, but yeah. And people forgetting things and shredding documents makes for a really long and difficult investigation. But I do have to say that I was kind of impressed that Congress went to the lengths that they did because you know, 9-11 was the uh, worst attack, terrorist attack on U.S. soil since, you know, Pearl Harbor, right? And um, from a foreign en uh, entity. And um, Bush didn't want to investigate 9-11 at all. Like, it took, like, probing and prodding and everything for two years to get an investigation into it. And um, in my opinion, there was just so much stuff covered up with that, and it's still being covered up. So... A lot of, quote, government investigations are literally bullshit. But I feel like they did really try to get to the details of these financial transactions that um, private corporations created to basically circumvent the law. I think they did a pretty good job about that. But there's so much of it. There's so much details. Yeah, there is a lot of overwhelming detail. A lot of what I have written down for 85 can probably be... Oh, my God. Happy Christmas. No, it was, no, it was uh, my alarm, which oh. is the song Atom Bomb Baby. Oh, okay. But for my pills. <laughs> because apparently I'm of the age now where I have to set alarm to take pills. Hey, baby, that's that can be any age. <laughs> anyway, um, I have it summed up that basically just more of the same shit that we've heard. Money goes back and forth. Weapons go back and forth. We talked about the bios of a lot of the people involved um, last time. And um, 1985, North got funding from Taiwan. Saudi Arabia gave more money. 
Um, in the early spring, Reagan announced an embargo on Nicaragua. By the summer, Seckard, who we talked about, and Hakeem sold like around $11 million in weapons and equipment, different things to the Contras. Um, North wanted Seckard to give them air supply operations as well. There was we, talks we of about. there was talks of um, private companies creating secret aircraft to mm-hmm. do all these. I mean, it was deep. And then we have in the summer um, that McFarlane meets with Kimchi, and that's when the arms for hostage deal is supposedly discussed. Um, Reagan continues to get money for the Contras. The Senate actually voted yes for that in '85, but the House voted no, so they didn't get it. But they did. Um, to have new legislation that allow the administration to get funds um, from other countries and private parties as long as there was no quid pro quo, but we all know how that goes. <laughs> and uh, the Bolin language was changed to allow CIA training. The perfect phone call. <laughs> Every time someone says that, I think it's the perfect phone call. So then further, 86, Seckard gets you know more channels for money to Iran. Um, in the summer of 86, Congress does pass and gives them $100 million in aid to the Contras which, from what I understand, was not supposed to be used for weapons or anything, because in the public eye, of course, Reagan is still very much, you know, not admitting that we're, like, <laughs> still fighting, that we're just, like, trying to be the middleman and provide some kind of humanitarian relief and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's all the bullshit he's still, you know, pushing. And, um, I mean, it's just the same shit for several years, all the way up until October of 1986, when Eugene Hossenfuss's plane crashes. Yeah. This is the first thing that happens that kind of blows... <laughs> Iran-Contra, and all of these operations out of the water. And they tried Which, let first. me just say, before you go into the story of Hoss and Fuss, um, the fact that this, I mean, this operation went on for a long time and it involved many foreign countries, diplomats, private business people, and the thing that's shocking to me about it is, you know, when people talk about other conspiracies, like if they talk about, well, 9-11 is an inside job, okay? They're like, well, that's crazy because so many people would have to be involved and right. like somebody would talk. Well, Iran-Contra is the perfect example of how a massive cover-up of an illegal government operation can go on. Like, what about MK Ultra? Oh, right, yeah. And so the, what you have to remember is the CIA and the FBI, right, are the agencies that get intelligence for us. If the CIA is at the helm of this fucking illegal operation, who's going to tell anyone about it? But I'm still surprised that the plane crash was the impetus for the exposure of it because don't you think that somebody working at some you know, some ambassador working somewhere would have been like, got wind of this, right? And said, you know, this is like illegal. <laughs> the U.S. is telling us not to sell weapons to Iran, but I heard that they're selling weapons to Iran. Like, maybe we should, t- like, I'm surprised there wasn't somebody who squeaked. Or maybe there the was, and people crash. were just like, you're fucking crazy. Well, I mean, you talk about Iran Contra now, like how we are. To the average person that doesn't know much about it, and they think you sound crazy, and it's like, no, this you could look this shit up, like it's in history books, like it's this happened, and they're like, ah, you're fucking insane, like. So right, imagine talking about it back then; people were probably just like, you're fucking nuts, like. And I guess it all comes down to whether you consider yourself like Israel, for example. I feel like this is the same example of people who say like, 
you know, ACAB, like they hate cops, they hate all cops or whatever. But then like a lot of those same people still enjoy the benefits of having police force. Right. And when something goes wrong, they call the cops. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is a perfect example of like you recognize that something's wrong with the system, but you still just somewhere in you have enough trust for it that you use it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the government's the same way that even people who are like, oh, I don't trust the government, their mind can't even wrap around how corrupt it really is. So right. even people who probably question the government, if you were like, listen, Reagan is actually giving like he he's funding the Contras behind Congress's back and they don't know about it. People would just be like, you're insane. Like, yeah, government's corrupt, but like it's not that corrupt. You well, know what there's I mean? two there's two mindsets about it. There's the mindset of people that say oh no, like that's not happening, the denialists. And then you have the people that are the justifiers who will say, so what? Like we should be doing Right, that. yeah. And that's the same thing with Trump. Like you get the people that are like, you know, he could say something totally insane and people will be like, no, he didn't say that. I'm like, let me play you a fucking video of him well, saying that. Well, that's not that. what he meant. Or Yeah, and then, and then comes the justification. So... But, Somebody had to say it. Yeah, it's always something. But like, for example, with Israel, like Israel is supposed to be like America's greatest ally, blah, 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 blah. And Israel was involved in this deal, right? So if you believe in the idea of the United States being a democracy with divided powers of government and Congress and the Senate are there to keep the president in check and you have Israel in these deals with you know arms deals with people back channels private money the president acting like a king if i was a member of congress and some aid came up for israel i'll be like oh you mean the congress you want congress to approve approve this aid for you israel you mean the congress who you don't give a flying fuck about when it comes to illegal the president doing illegal shit that you didn't think it was a need to uh, immediately call someone in congress and be like hey you know the president is trying to go behind your back um, and break the fucking law. So it's kind of like Israel doesn't give a shit about congressmen and senators when it's their job to balance power, but when it's their job to sign off on aid to Israel, then they like Congress. You know what I'm saying? It's bullshit. You either believe in the idea of America or you don't believe in the idea of America. Period. And this was a whole cabal of people who didn't believe in the idea of the United States of America. They say that they did all of these things. Their justification for Iran-Contra was what? The first episode we talked about it, that the spread of communism around the globe was their supposed bullshit reason, same thing Vietnam and everything. We got to stop the commies, right? Okay, but let's look at what you're doing. You're throwing democracy in the toilet to supposedly stop an anti-democratic style of government. Yep, they, they, we've said it many times, but they absolutely hadn't the ends justify the means attitude yes. for this. So, okay, now on how it got busted out. So in October of 1986, Eugene H. Hassenfuss, who was a former United States Marine, um, his plane was shot down in Nicaragua while he was delivering weapon shipments on behalf of the U.S. government to the rebels and uh, the rebel Contras in Nicaragua. Um, he was the only survivor of the plane crash. And he was put on trial in Nicaragua. But um, basically, after it happened and they captured him, he came out and told them everything. Like, listen, I work for the U.S. government via Enterprise. I'm delivering these weapons to the Contras, blah, 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 blah. The CIA absolutely denied it, even though he gave them names of people he was involved with. Um, and basically, they were just like, oh, no, 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 no. He's, we don't know who this guy is. We don't work with him. You know, backpedal, backpedal. 
Um, but more evidence came out, and he just he absolutely proved that he he was involved mm-hmm. with him. Um, and I believe that he had said that the people he was working with had um, they were friends of the vice president at the time. But he worked for Enterprise, the company that we talked about, right? Um, and they did find documents later that supported the direct evidence between the Contras and the U.S. government and um, that they were linked to Oliver North. So, I mean, there, were, there was no doubting that this Eugene Hassenfuss was telling the truth. Um, and the government completely lied and basically left him there to be put on trial in Nicaragua, like, too fucking bad. Like, thanks for being our pawn. Now we're not going to help you. Um, so, yeah, he was captured by the Sandinistas and um, after they shot his plane down. And that was kind of the first thing that came out you know, and weirdly enough, the more the, I read about it, it doesn't seem like the media here really covered it at all. We were just kind of like, nah, that's a blip. Like, nobody believed him. Um, I don't know. But the other thing that happened after that, immediately after that, it was kind of like in 1986, the fall of 1986, they, it was done. It was over. So the first thing we had happen was the Hassenfuss incident. And then shortly after that, just the following month, in November of 1986, the Lebanese magazine, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right at all, Al-Shari'a, first started reporting arms deals between the United States and Iran. Mm -hmm. Um, And that busted it out. I mean, we weren't talking about it here in America at all. And then out of nowhere, this Lebanese newspaper's like, oh yeah, by the way, like we know all about this. Um, and so that was, I think that was the main thing that in America we started paying attention after that happened. And then the same month, November 1986, a document was discovered called the Diversion Memorandum, mm-hmm. which was a document that Oliver North had produced, I believe in April of the following year, um, which out of all the things he shredded, this did not get shredded. <laughs> Probably should have been the one thing that did because it outlined everything about Iran-Contra. And it didn't get shredded. And someone from the Justice Department discovered it and was like, what the fuck? And turned it in. And then that that's really when it was mm-hmm. it was serious from that point on. Like we have we have a thank God pe- someone at the Justice Department cared that the highest people in government were basically saying fuck off to the law. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, don't, what I, I said don't have the about- name. I didn't write down the name of the specific person who found it. But I mean, it was just right there in a row. Hassenfuss plane crash basically ignored. Mm-hmm. They denied it. If that would have been the only thing that happened, it probably just would have rolled over. That guy would have been put on trial. He was sentenced to like 30 years, although I do believe he was pardoned after that. Um, he was in, in Nicaragua. Um, but that they could have covered that up and just rolled right on. And even the Lebanese newspaper, they probably could have found a way to explain away. But when you find it in your own system, you know what I mean? That guy mm-hmm. from the Justice Department that was like, this is serious. I think that's really what kicked off the, we have to start investigating this. Well, and then, um, you know, there were the kill, you know, we were talking about kill the messenger and the, the, uh, dark Alliance series, um, that started talking about the, um, the f- use of cocaine, the cocaine trade to fund, um, you know, the Contras and that a lot of the people that were working, with the Contras that later ended up working with the CIA were known drug cartel people. Right. And I think in, in Oliver North, some of his other notebooks and memos that weren't shredded, he talked about his relationship with uh, Manuel Noriega, right? Who was like a big, the, big, a big drug dealer. Um, so yeah, they, it was like, well, the CIA's running drugs to fund the Contras. Not that they would have been 
opposed to that because they did broke every other law to do it. But um, they said, well, we didn't really do it ourselves. We just kind of looked the other way while other people did <laughs> it. It's like, oh, that's so much better. So in 86, um, the funniest thing about this this entire, I don't know why, it just gets me. because I guess because there's this famous, famous footage of um, Ronald Reagan getting on TV and saying, you know, we do not negotiate with terrorists. We did not, you know, trade weapons for hostages. And it only took like a week for him to retract that statement. Um, we, <laughs> I just feel like it's really funny. Like he gets on TV and he's so serious. Like, no, of course not. We did it. And then basically a week later, he comes back and says some bullshit excuse of like, even though I, I know in my heart that what I said was true and that we didn't do those things. Facts but the, and evidence. But the show facts that. and evidence show otherwise. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck does that even mean? You that, dimensional. You d- no, dimension I think that was a cover. Like, I mean, maybe he did later get dimension, but. Delusional. Come on fucking now. delusional. Like, how can you even say that? I know in my heart that what I said isn't a lie. No, that's just a fucking lie. Well, like, and then Oliver North claimed that there was a, a, a presidential, it wasn't a directive. What did they call well, it? North, a finding. North said that he did everything that he did with the full knowledge of the National Security Advisor, which was at the time uh, John Poindexter. Yes. And that he assumed that Reagan was also aware of the And wasn't it Poindexter who said that um, Reagan signed a, a, uh, a presidential finding that kind of backdated mm-hmm. all of this um, retroactively, retroactively authorized, it. authorized it but he couldn't produce the memo it was destroyed so now it's like okay well so you got north saying that he told poindexter north Poindex- basically when he confronted with it did not deny it at all when north was you know they were like are you doing this he was just like yes no like he was proud of it <laughs> yeah he well, he didn't hide it at all and mm-hmm. um In 1986, after all this is busted out, Attorney General Edwin Meese um, launched the investigation into the weapons deal and found that, you know, 18 million of the 30 million Iran had paid for, the weapons were unaccounted for. So, I mean, they did launch an investigation and find that, but as the trials went on, it was just more and more. And then, you know, you have the Tower Commission, which was, again, like, how the fuck did Reagan managed to be responsible for all this shit, claimed that he didn't know anything about it, and then he gets to pick the t- commission that investigates it and gets to a point, like, who is investigating it? Like, mm-hmm. Just such fucking nonsense. But, um, so, but on North, though, even though he was proud of what he did, he did falsify documents to Congress to keep them in the dark about everything because in the one bit of questioning from um, Congress, he says, um, I am admitting to you that I prescribed uh, that I participated in the preparation of documents for the Congress that were erroneous, misleading, evasive, and wrong. And I did it again here when I uh, appeared before that committee convened in the White House Situation Room, and I make no excuses for what I did. So then Neil says, do we live in a, we do live in a democracy, don't we? And North says, we do, sir, thank God. And Neil says, it, in which the people, not one Marine lieutenant colonel that gets to decide the important policy decisions for the nation. I mean, it's almost like they don't understand. Like they're doing it, but they don't understand that they literally are flushing democracy in the toilet. They right. don't get it. No. I don't know if that's a, 
a cognitive dissonance or if they are it's like i'm so aware. proud that i broke the law and threw democracy in the toilet and wiped my ass on the constitution you know why because i was fighting commies who don't believe in democracy yeah <laughs> later on too um independent council did investigate the iran contra affair um that was lawrence welsh and the investigation went on for eight years in total uh 14 people were charged which we're going to go over who exactly got charged and um out of all of it out of all of the people that they had evidence even people who were found guilty only one guy i think ever ended up actually going to like a jail. well okay because president um vice president was who what do you mean afterwards george no, bush yeah. yeah george bush and pardoned was, a lot of them yeah. yeah so that's what happened yeah so let me see here <clears> i got this really great list that i found of people who were it was a summary of the prosecutions and um what positions they were serving at. I got this from a website. It's brown.edu. And it's the, they have a really great project on here, just all about understanding the Iran-Contra affair. So um, I like that a lot. But I guess to start, let me find the guy who was, no, okay, we'll just start from the top, okay. The National Security Staff, number one guy here, Robert McFarlane, National Security Advisor. We've heard a ton about him, Bud McFarlane. He was charged with four misdemeanor counts of withholding information from Congress. He pled guilty to all four counts and cooperated. All he got was two years probation, $20,000 in fines, and 200 hours of community service. Then wow. he was pardoned. So, <laughs> great, right? Number two on the guilty list being Oliver North, um, National Security Staffer, indicted on 12 counts, including conspiracy and making false statements. I don't know how they didn't also get him for destroying evidence. Obstruction. Obstruction. Yeah, anything, because we all know about his famous shredding party. Mm-hmm. Shredded evidence. I mean, they, they I, I can't believe they only came up with 12 counts, honestly. And it was an obstruction. He was convicted of three charges, accepting a gratuity, aiding in the obstruction of Congress, and destroying documents. That was what they got him for. Also, oh, destroying end. documents was... But they just didn't call it obstruction. Yeah, which, why, though? I mean, he was given a suspended three-year prison term, two years probation, $150,000 in fine, and 1,200 hours of community service. And after a court of appeals vacated his conviction for further proceedings to determine whether his um, immunized testimony influenced other witnesses, the judge dismissed the case based on that evidence that they had. So, dismissed. Later dismissed. I mean, how, how does it... I don't understand how you... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, it makes zero sense to me. I've never heard of anything so egregious. Right. And then lastly, for the national security staff, we have John Poindexter, who is the national security advisor as well. Um, he was indicted on seven felony charges and stood trial on five of them, found guilty of two counts of false statements, two of obstructing Congress and conspiracy. He was given six months in prison for each count to be served concurrently. But then a court of appeals vacated his conviction since his uh, immunized testimony may have influenced other witnesses. Same thing as Ollie North. And the case was dismissed. So again, they found them guilty Mm -hmm. and yet still dismissed the cases. And again, Bud McFarlane, who pled guilty, he pled guilty, pardoned. So (laughs) yeah. I mean, I feel like when these government investigations, you know, finally get to the meat of something and someone is like you said found guilty that's when all the um backslapping starts behind the scenes like well you know i know you were against uh reagan and them doing this but you know you get campaign contributions from such and such and 
$150,000 fines for Ollie North is such a joke, too. Do you know how much money that man probably made skimming off the top of the shit? Ollie North? Yeah. I don't know about Ollie North. There's I mean, $150,000 Sec- Sec- and uh, Hakeem, for sure. Just blows my mind. But, yeah. The private operatives, too. You said Richard Seckard, uh, who was the head of the enterprise. Mm-hmm. He was indicted on nine counts uh, relating to his gifts to an official, secret foreign accounts, and obstructing of investigations. He pled guilty to one of the felonies um, for false statements to Congress, and he got two years probation. That was it. All these people just magically get fucking probation. Um, Hakeem was charged with uh, supplementing an official salary, he pled guilty to giving money to North. Doesn't say how much, though. He got two years probation and a $5,000 fine. I mean, this is like a drop in the bucket for these fucking people. I think the, I, the, the scope of the amount of money we're talking about here and we're giving them like $5,000 fines. Like, what a joke. Um, the only other guy uh, it was Thomas Kleins, who was the business uh, man in the, in the enterprise organization. He was indicted on four felony counts of falsely reporting his earnings to the IRS in 85 and 86. <laughs> and he was found guilty for both underreporting his earnings and for stating on tax returns that he had no foreign accounts. He got 16 months in prison and $40,000 in fines, and he was forced to pay the cost of the prosecution. So the only guy that actually ever served fucked with the IRS. <laughs> Right. No, exactly. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, when, when we saw this back in the eighties, um, where there's literally no consequences for people running a major illegal operation, none. And we're surprised when there's an insurrection in, you know, 2020, I mean, we're surprised because why, why would we be surprised? Like nothing happens to anybody. And you might also recall that under the Trump presidency, there was another failed coup attempt in Venezuela where some um, former Marines ended up going down there and trying to, you know, overthrow Maduro. You know, we have uh, laws in this country, which um, actually started uh, back in World War, right before World War II, because Germany was trying to influence um, politics in the United States. And it was the one that they used to convict um, Michael Flynn because he was representing another country, another country's interests while he was here. He was representing another country and secretly doing so. You have to acknowledge you're representing a foreign government, that you're working for a foreign government when you do anything in the United States. Um, What do they call that? The Foreign Agency something Declaration Act or something. But basically you have to just admit that your, your interests are for a foreign government, not the United States. That's what they got Flynn under. Now, all of these people were working for an entity that wasn't even a government. They're, 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 conduct, they're trying to overthrow a government. How do you think that government feels about it? Like, in other words, we have a law that says you're not even allowed to come here with interests that are with another government unless you tell us. That you're working for that foreign government. But we go into other people's countries and literally fund millions upon millions of dollars into their politics, into their, into military, you know, excursions into their countries. I mean, come on. This is classic too with America. I mean, even still, you know, recent, um, and I know totally off topic here, but 
I just watched this documentary about Julian Assange and I've been thinking about it a lot. And it related back to this specifically because I... It's funny how they tried to pin what Assange was doing as somehow more dangerous than what they were actually doing. You know, when they tried to say like, oh, Assange has blood on his hands for this information, even though they couldn't prove that he actually caused anything Mm -mm. at all. And they're saying that in the face of the fact that he exposed they actually were killing innocent civilians, women, children. You know what I mean? All of the things that they were, they actually had blood on their hands and they have the audacity to say, well, he might have blood on his hands. And America's always had that. I mean, in this exact situation, like, (laughs) look at all these people who did something that absolutely was criminal Mm -hmm. in in every way possible. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, well, I mean, that's not that, it's not, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And you know, Secord, when I watched part of his testimony too, and he was sitting there acting, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like arrogant about the fact that they were like, oh, so you were skimming money off the top. And um, this money was going into a secret Swiss bank account that, you know, you say you didn't care about the money. It was about the, about the, you know, operations, about fighting for freedom in Nicaragua. You didn't, weren't concerned about the money, but you were skimming money off the top. And they go into detail about how much money he was skimming off the top. And he gets a little haughty about it. He's just like, I don't know. I wasn't keeping track of that. That wasn't my main purpose. Let me just tell you what Mr. Seckward has been up to after the Iran-Contra. He was already retired general when he did all the stuff with Iran-Contra. Well, in 1989, he got arrested for drunk driving. So just throw that in there. Um, but in early 1992, Secord and another retired officer, Brigadier General Henry Adderholt, visited the newly independent former Soviet Republic of Azerbaijan on behalf of Mega Oil, a company established by another retired U.S. military officer. Secord reportedly offered to train Azerbaijani leaders to train its special operations forces for $10 million. Cut him a real deal. So, you know, for Secker to sit there and act like... That's what I mean. Why does it always seem like our, our entire system of quote-unquote justice is always punishing people who may... It seems like we always punish the people who the hardest who, oh, maybe this could happen. You know, well, we have to set a yeah. precedent here because if, you know, somebody Slippery else slope. does it, something could happen. You know what I'm saying? But then these people who actually do it I mean, what would have to happen if if this Iran-Contra thing would have turned into something where there was a terrorist attack on American soil because of the meddling that they were doing? Mm-hmm. Would that have been enough to actually punish someone? I mean, and that's, that's why it made me think of the Julian Assange thing because I'm like, you guys are trying to make this out like, well, what if his information results in attacks on our own people? Okay, well, look, I mean, what if this would have, you know what I mean? What if this would have played out that yeah, way? Yeah, that's a herring. That's a so red herring. So every single time, it's like it's almost worse mm-hmm. if there isn't an outcome because then they can just demonize it as much as possible. It can make it into it like George Bush did, a mushroom cloud. Uh, Absolutely. The weapons of mass destruction Absolutely. with a visual of a mushroom cloud actually was really... Americans are so afraid of the unknown and if over and over again we haven't learned... <laughs> That if there is no concrete evidence and nothing has happened yet, you cannot just go on that fear and punish people. And instead, punish the fucking people who are actually right. doing things that could well, have turned no, out wait, worse. Assange like, actually did do something because he, he told the truth. That's a fucking major crime. And he, and he released Hillary's emails. And, you know, all the other stuff that he did before when, um, you know, he released video footage of basically civilians being murdered shit like that 
um, he was still left alone in the embassy. He was under lockdown. But he, but you know what? After the Hillary email thing, that's when his ass got drug out of there. So you tell me what they really give a shit about. Yeah, insane. Insane. It's a really good, uh, I think it's called uh, We Steal Secrets. It's on Netflix. Documentary about him that I just watched. And I just, I loved him. So I, I mean, was like excited yeah, to watch it. I mean, it. journalists, hackers and journalists who aren't afraid to tell the truth are literally the only hope for the world. So the fascists realizing this, okay, they have to create a false narrative that's stronger than even the truth. And that's what we're seeing right, right now. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, during the 60s and the 70s, when things about Vietnam started to come out and people in America started to be like, what? Our fucking government lied to us. Like, it was heartbreaking for people in America to realize their government was made up of fucking liars. Okay, but now Americans have grown past that to where, like, yeah, we know our government's made up of fucking liars. We, we've become, it's like, you know, you find out the first time your spouse is cheating and you're, like, all shocked and devastated. But then you're like, yeah, you know, he's probably had three or four girlfriends since then. You get kind of numb to it. But then, like, now they actually have to make war on the truth just in case you come out with some truth that is abhorrent enough for people to be pissed off about, you can just already have a lie ready to serve it up to them and they'll suck it up. Now we're in mental cycle. Well, now we're in psychological warfare. Yeah, absolutely. America's. Well, and on, on top of, obviously, everything else that we do, I, I think that's the main push of why we keep the majority of people struggling so much because when, you know, I mean, look at Maslow's hierarchy. You know what I mean? You got to start at the bottom. If you keep people in suffering and struggling oh, and poverty, sure. they can't worry about any of for that. Sure. So, I mean, it's just our whole system is built on it. All but you know what, top. though? When people get in a bad situation, one of two things can happen financially. If you're struggling so bad, it can make you wake up or it can make you more indoctrinated. So that's another thing, too. It worries me about America because we're on a precipice of poverty right now. And we've been going down and down and down and down. And I just worry that all of this unrest we're seeing in various ways is related to that. You mm -hmm. know? And then you got the meta, the metaverse coming oh, yeah. on board. What the fuck? Talk about war on reality, but go ahead. I don't want to detract too much. Okay, so on to the next um, category here. We'll go to the CIA. And uh, the Deputy Director of Operations, Claire George, was pardoned before sentencing. Dwayne Claridge, who was the European Division Chief... Um, no trial even took place. He was preemptively pardoned. Uh, Alan Fears Jr., Central American Task Force Chief, pled guilty. He got a year of probation. Um, and Joseph Fernandez, who was CIH Station Chief in um, Costa Rica, his case was dismissed. Um, case was dismissed after the Attorney General refused to mandate the disclosure of information relevant to the defense. And I'm just like, wow, isn't that convenient? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we can just be like, mm, no, okay, just dismiss it. Like, and then the Department of State, we had the Assistant Secretary for um, Inter-American Affairs, Elliot Abrams. He pled guilty. He got two years of probation, but then was pardoned. And we have Casper Weinberger, who was Secretary of Defense, Department of Defense. Um, no trial took place, also preemptively pardoned. Let's see, who else do we have? How about the Coors guy? Oh, I don't know. Coors He's not, Beer. Not listed here at all. He Doubtful. That any of the private entities that, that funded this illegal war were ever charged with anything. No, I mean, I don't know how you could if they were 
I mean, in the eyes of the law, they they didn't do anything illegal. They gave money to places like the Enterprise, which was, I mean, it wasn't illegal for them to do. No, but the Coors guy specifically went up to someone and said, um, I want to donate like $65,000 to the Contra cause. Like he fucking surely knew what he was doing. So, you know what they say? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yeah, but as a private citizen, he can donate to whatever he wants, right? I mean... No. If if I say I want to donate... How is that any different than money who donate... People who donate money to Israel right now and all of everything they're doing to the Palestinians? How is it any different? Because if they donate money to a charity, that's one thing. But if they can prove that that charity is somehow linked to terrorist activity, you can be roped into that. Yeah. Mm. I mean... <laughs> Look at the scope of all this shit that they're overlooking. You don't think they're going to investigate that? But if he literally said, I want to donate $65,000 to the Contra cause because I believe in it. Are private citizens allowed to donate to illegal government operations? That's my question. Well, as far as I understand, um, the enterprise was created um, specifically to avoid those loopholes in legality. Because they were like, well, I mean, I guess other countries and corporations can give money to this enterprise as long as there's no, you know, quid pro quo going on. Um, and that's the legislation I was talking about in 85 that said, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was new legislation allows administration to get funds from other countries and private parties as long as there is no quid pro quo. That was in 85. So, I mean, if you would ask me, I would say that that means what they were doing with the enterprise wasn't technically illegal, even though it absolutely I, I don't know how that couldn't be a threat to national security so now you just have private citizens that can fund you know what i mean they're still from our country they're still i mean i get what you're saying but as, mm -hmm. as in the eyes of the law i don't see that that part was illegal do you know who the um journalist was who was writing for the um middle east newspaper that exposed it the lebanese newspaper no mm -hmm. i don't it was um the newspaper publication was called like Al Shara, mm -hmm. but I don't know who the journalist was specifically. Um, this says, I, I don't know how this, he was a leaker about the Iran Contra. It says, um, in Iran, Mehdi Hashimi, the leaker of the scandal, was executed in 1987, allegedly for activities unrelated to the scandal. Though Hashimi made a full video confession, to numerous series charges, some observers find the coincidence of the of his leak and the subsequent prosecution her prosecution highly suspicious. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking suspicious. Okay, so here's uh, indictments. You said Casper Weinberger, Robert McFarlane, Elliot Abrams, mm -hmm. got Alan all them. De Alan DeFears, um, who's the CIA Central American Task Force, was convicted of withholding evidence. And sentenced to a one-year probation. Mm -hmm. They all got probation except for the guy who cheated the Claire IRS. George, chief of covert ops of the CIA, convicted the two counts of perjury, pardoned by Bush. Mm -hmm. um, Fawn Hall, she was a private was, citizen. She yeah, was, was Ollie, Ollie Norse um, secretary. secretary. But she was given immunity ahead of time. Mm -hmm. um, the other, we have the CIA here, William Casey. Um, he was hospitalized. Um and died in 1987, so he never had to face anything for that. Um, Robert Gates, who was the acting director of Central Intelligence, uh, claimed that he did not recall the meetings, <laughs> and um, that he he didn't even know that Casey Spies was false. So he got off with nothing. They they weren't prosecuted at all. 
Oh, Thomas Kleins is the one you said. Yeah, right? he's the one who cheated the IRS, and he actually is the only one on this list that served any actual time. Um, George Shultz, Secretary of State, was not prosecuted. Um, they couldn't prove that his testimony was deliberately false, I guess. So, um, And his assistant, also not prosecuted. Uh, State Department Executive Secretary Nicholas Platt, no, no prosecution. Um, let's see who else. Department of Defense Richard uh, Armitage. He was Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs. They had a lot of... They, I mean, they said that they had a lot of substantial evidence, but not enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So he wasn't prosecuted. Ronald Reagan, most importantly, was not prosecuted. Mm -hmm. They said there was no proof that Reagan authorized or was aware of the diversion or that he had any knowledge of what Oliver North was doing. What do you call witness testimony? I mean, from what I understand later, too, is that when they were interviewing him, Basically, they were like, well, he, even at this point, if he did know, he's not in a, he's not fit. He's not okay, fit. Okay, so he, let me ask you this. Like, they tried to play it off like he was a confused old man, had dementia, couldn't remember, blah, 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 like that he, he couldn't what, be charged. What, do you, what does it say is the legal definition of treason? Why you look that up, I'm going to tell you. If Trump was in office and people under him lied, deceived, and committed what he considered to be illegal acts without his knowledge... He would want them thrown in jail, prosecuted and thrown in jail for life, for treason, or hung, as he suggested in the case of Hillary Clinton. Anybody who commits treason should just be, you know, hung or whatever. And it's like, if Reagan really literally is saying, I didn't know any of this was going on, why didn't he, you know, say, I want all of these people thrown in jail? You know what I mean? He's a total liar. He, he Absolutely. Knew. And there was even a White House meeting where... You can look up the note, like the scribbly notes that somebody transcribed of it, where he was asking about the illegality of now. It didn't involve the Contras, as far as I remember. It was about the illegal sale of arms to Iran. And he was like, Well, what if we use a third country? And they were like, No, that doesn't change. It's still. <laughs> so he 100% knew about that. They can prove in, in every way you look at it that Reagan set the stage for all, all of this yeah. and encouraged <clears throat> it. Um, and, and even more proof to that is the Boland Amendments. I mean, why do you think Congress went through all the trouble to pass the Boland Amendments? If, if You know what I mean? They knew that's what he wanted. I mean, it was 100% that Reagan was responsible for this. And that was it. I mean, nothing. Nothing fucking happened to him. And then same thing with George Bush, who, you know, at the very beginning of this, we talked about how um, someone that was closely involved with the Reagan camp, Bar- Bar- I think her name was Barbara Hammer- Hanim- Hanniger, mm-hmm. Hamaker, I don't remember, um, had testified that George Bush, along with, you know, other men in Reagan's camp, specifically set up the October surprise and, like, holding off on releasing the hostages so that Reagan can get elected the first time. I mean, people all said, yeah, we know that that happened. And it's just all overlooked, and they say, well, we don't have any evidence of this, and no evidence ever proved that George Bush violated any laws or that he was aware of the diversion, et cetera, et cetera. So he wasn't prosecuted at all. Um, Edwin Meese, the attorney general who first did the uh, quote-unquote inquiry, which was more like trying to cover it up, (laughs) um, his statute of limitations had run out 
and it said 1992 Meese denied recollection of the statements attributed to him by both Weinberger and Reagan's notes and enough time had passed to raise doubt about the deliberately false falsity of his denial. So basically they let the time run out on that. Um, National Security Advisor to Bush, Donald Gregg, not prosecuted. Um, and Donald Reagan, the White House Chief of Staff, also not prosecuted. So literally all either prosecuted or pardoned before or after except for Thomas Klein, and the only thing that he ended up serving for was lying about the money that he made in the enterprise mm-hmm. to the IRS, because IRS don't fucking play ball. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because this says, uh, the Iran, this is in Wikipedia, the Iran-Contra affair and the ensuing deception to project senior administration officials, including Reagan, um, was cast as an example of post-truth politics by Malcolm Byrne of George Washington University. Post-truth politics. That pretty much says it all. Um, but yeah, on the the uh, the private citizens, it this was in uh, in the csmonitor.com. Wealthy citizens were offered private meetings with Reagan in return for gener gener gener. I can't say the word generous contributions to the Nicaraguan Contras. Some were given secret briefings next door to the White House. Briefings, apparently, based on classified intelligence data. So, if that's true, how was how did Reagan not, how was he not treasonous? He's literally telling top-secret information to people in exchange for money. How do you fucking know that the Coors beer guy hasn't been co-opted by some other country to pretend to be a donor who wants to cut, like, listen, have, did they think any further beyond than their net damn noses? Like, if I was a country that was hostile to the United States, I would go to the rich, rich people in this country, and I would be like, hey, so we hate Biden, so what we want you to do is be go up to him as a wealthy donor and say, hey, you know, I'd be willing to donate to any private causes that you have, but you know, I'd really like to know the details behind it. Do you think you could share some of the confidential top secret information with me surprise citizen and if biden did that every republican in the world would be saying he's a treasonous bastard who should be hung on and the gallows but literally that's what reagan did like he told private citizens confidential information that he failed to tell congress about now if anything doesn't outline the difference between rich and poor people in this country we're supposedly given a vote, even if we're poor, to vote for a congressman who represents us, right? The congressman is the voice, your voice in government is the Congress. But some rich guy goes to Reagan and says, I want to know some information and I'll be willing to make a $135,000 donation, but I want to know the details. And your president gives top secret information to a rich guy but he won't give that same information to the person you vote for so that you can decide as the people whether you want to continue to vote for that congressman or not it literally is telling you that rich people run the country and you don't matter at all if you're poor your vote and your congressman and his voice means zero you know, another funny thing about all of this was I came across an article which I I I didn't know anything about until I found it. It was uh, 
from the Council on Foreign Relations website, and it was posted in 2016, and it was talking about Republicans' criticism of Obama when he made a shipment to Iran for weapons that had been owed to them um, for like 30 years ago, 35 years ago, so now almost 40 years ago. Uh, dated back to U.S. weapon sales that the Shah's government paid for but had not been delivered right, before yeah, the revolution. Right, we were holding their money. Right. Um, so basically when Obama did that and then there were some hostages released after that happened, Republicans immediately jump on Obama like, you just gave them weapons for hostages. And I'm like, how can you well, even... Well, the thing that made me insane about that was every even... right-wing <laughs> idiot was telling me, Obama's giving money to Iran. I'm like... Okay, Obama is giving Iran their own money. It's not your taxpayer money. It's not U.S. government money. It belonged to Iran, and we fucking stole We right. We kept it. I mean, let's just be honest about the facts here. The $400 million provided in January 2016 was the first shipment of $1.7 billion, this includes interest, that Obama announced concurrently with a nuclear deal. Iran will be returned its own funds, including appropriate interest, but much less the amount Iran sought for. Immediately, charges of paying a ransom for the release of U.S. Mm -hmm. citizens was leveled at the White House from opponents of the nuclear deal. Senator Tom Cotton accused Obama of paying a $1.7 billion ransom to the Ayatollahs for U.S. hostages, while Senator Mark Kirk announced paying ransom to kidnappers puts Americans even more at risk. Oh, I wonder how you figured that out. Maybe it was the two terms of the Reagan <laughs> presidency that, that showed that that was yeah, absolutely exactly. true. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the ones that you guys deny that ever happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know what, really, even if they accept the fact that it was Iran's money that Obama gave back to them, basically then what you're saying is that... Um, we're mad because Obama paid the bills that Reagan racked up. Not only that, but like Reagan did it in secret. Obama didn't do that shit in secret. Right. He was like, I'm the open about it. This is like an official thing. Here's what we've decided to do. Went through the system, played the game. You know what I mean? Went through the proper channels. Like Reagan did all that shit in secret. How do you guys even have the audacity? Yeah. I just can't. William O'Boyle, a New York oil executive, testified that conservative fundraiser Carl Spitz Chanel offered to arrange a meeting with President Reagan if Mr. O'Boyle would contribute $300,000 to the Contras. Talk about quid pro quo. And they flipped out because, you know, rightfully so, that Hillary Clinton gave a, quote, speech to Goldman Sachs and was paid like half a million dollars for a speech. We all know what that was. That was money. To rub, to rub her back, to get special, you know what I'm saying? All this money in politics is all dirty. Every bit of it is dirt money. Someone's buying somebody. And, you know, so these oil executives and um, the Coors guy and all the people that wanted to contribute to the Contras, you know what they really were upset about? The fact that they didn't realize that all of their money wasn't going to the Contras. That the people making the deals were skimming money off the top for themselves. Uh, <laughs> I just can't. No, yeah, I can't. Nothing. Um, and they called it the National Endowment for the Preservation of Liberty. That's what Reagan's secret enterprise was called. O'Boyle said he did contribute $130,000 through an organization that Mr. Chanel controlled called the National Endowment for the Preservation of Liberty. Chanel has pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit tax fraud by diverting funds from the endowment. 
crazy. Yeah, I, I just, I've, I'm always left speechless by this because here it is. There, this is why I guess with um, nothing shocks me, mm-hmm. you know. And a wealthy it, Texas widow, Ellen Garwood, testified that she did get to see President Reagan after contributing money to buy items for the Contras from a list provided by former National Security <clears throat> Council aide Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Among the items on the list, bullets, rifles, <laughs> and hand grenades. Jesus so let me ask you this. If I get a friend that lives in another country and I make a wire transfer to their bank account because they want to buy a gun that they're not allowed to have, is that a crime for me to do that? Because apparently Ellen Garwood did it. And uh, that was cool that she just, you know, Ollie North gives her a shopping list for the first day of Contra school when she buys all their fucking supplies. <laughs> and then the Contra, uh, the Colorado beer brew executive, Joseph Kors, who we talked about, Testified that Colonel Oliver North provided him with a number of Swiss bank account where he could transfer money to purchase a small airplane to help in fearing humanitarian assistance. Yeah, to but I, I feel like my uh, what little experience I have just working in the legal field, um, it shocks me that the amount of um, liability that can be placed on someone that seems completely outrageous. Um, for example... If you, um, or like, I guess a good one that was in politics when they attacked Bernie Sanders for it was that when he said that gun manufacturers shouldn't be able to be sued for like school shootings and shit because the gun didn't malfunction and they attacked him for that. And somehow these people want the liability to be held on the manufacturer of the gun. Um, This is how we play with the laws in America. Right. You know, or... I don't know, a business that forgets to put up a wet floor sign even though the floor is fucking obviously wet and we're like, liability on that person for the slip and fall. Like, all of the places that we're willing to assign liability or even just a case of a drunk driver, if you mm-hmm. that person lives with you and you pay their expenses and allow them to use your vehicle even if their license is suspended and blah, 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 blah but you allow that shit to happen, you know, you, you set that situation up and allowed them to drive uh-huh. your car and kill someone else and now you could be held liable even right. though you weren't driving. Like, all of these instances I see where we find a way to tie liability back to people mm-hmm. and I'm like, how in the fuck yeah. are these people not found liable it for It says right here, Miss Garwood, O'Boyle, and Mr. Coors testified they gave the money because the Contra aid efforts seemed to have the full support of President Reagan. So what they're saying is we didn't know giving money to this effort was illegal because the highest fucking person in the country was saying it was a great plan. So let me get this straight. Since when is ignorance an excuse? If Biden says, hey, you know, and this is going to be a ridiculous example, but if Biden says, you know, hey, uh, you know, we want to ship some kids in some Wayfair boxes you want to (laughs) contribute. I'm pretty sure most people be like, um, isn't that illegal though? I mean, the president's saying it, but yeah, I, I, again, um, average citizens like you and I don't get to use the excuse of ignorance. Right. So we we would be asking a question about that. We would be saying like, you know, well, if I give you this money, I mean, you've done illegal stuff a lot of times in the past. Like, how do I know you're not going to do it? I mean, with the money I'm giving you, like we would worry that it would come back on us. Right. But rich people don't. They don't. And it even says here that uh, they gave the money because the contrary aid effort seemed to have the full support of the president. And O'Boyle and Garwood said that they knew the money was going to be used for weapons. Weapons. You don't you don't ask somebody that you know, like, hey, if I give a hundred thousand dollars, 
to this cause. And I know, I've been told, that it's going to buy guns and bullets for a war in another country. Is that a crime? You've got money. You've got, you know, these people had fucking lawyers. They didn't think to go to one of their fucking lawyers and go, hey, is this going to be like, is this going to compromise me? Like, how stupid are these people? Yeah, I, again, total shock. I have no words for it. There's We're just so, many, so used to being above the law that they're not even think about it. That's what I mean. There really is no more explanation. You can give a million examples of how the laws that we have are specifically in place to keep people like us in down. check mm-hmm. and down and poor and mm-hmm. imprisoned. And it just doesn't apply to them at all. That's why I said law and order really means that the people that make the law are going to make sure everybody else stays in order. The poor folks stay in order. That's what law and order means. It doesn't mean anything about enforcing law equally whatsoever. When you hear law and order, that means people that control the laws are going to keep you in order with them. And their rich buddies are going to get away with whatever they want to get away with. This is all the shit that floods my brain too when I see the stupidest little shit like... uh you know, when the news posts their grainy, grainy-ass footage of mm-hmm. uh, somebody stealing, like, baby <clears throat> formula or something from Walmart and other working-class people are trying to identify them. I know. And I'm like, you fucking... First of all, you goddamn class traitor. I um, And Seriously. I just... I, I go on a fucking 45-minute rant about how all of the examples of politicians and rich people who do criminal, <laughs> criminal things that result yeah. in actual lives being taken or people's liberties and freedoms being... Uh, stolen from them and you know just to go on and then you know they just tune it out nobody listens but i'm like do you see what you're doing like we're on the bottom we're on the fucking bottom why are you because i I don't know yet another um propagated thing i guess is that we teach people that they need to have this guideline of morals and it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know man i'm is stealing wrong I guess when you're doing it from, you know, a billion dollar corporation that doesn't pay its people jack shit. I, did, I don't, I don't right. think it is. I don't know. I mean, it's, and it says here that after the briefing, Chanel w- uh, would approach the conservatives with a suggestion that they contribute to the Nicaraguan freedom fighters who were trying to overthrow the Sandinista regime. He always specified the amount, recalled Garwood, who eventually gave more than $1.5 to Chanel for the Contras. Only later, when Chanel solicited more funds for North's legal defense, did she learn that some 30% of the donation was being retained by Chanel. So she only got mad because he was stealing her money, that she wanted to go to the, quote, freedom fighters. Not because maybe the thought that these, quote, freedom fighters were maybe murdering innocent people with her money. Like, (sighs) yep, just a mess. Well, and on another note, too, I read an article this week about a biker gang that was being investigated in Indiana and um, allegedly they, they all got arrested for allegedly participating in a gang that has a known history of doing illegal activity. So guilty by association. Right. And I'm like, what the f- is the difference between that and like people who openly acknowledge any other street gang? So a biker gang in Indiana, you can go in and bust them just for being a member of an organization that has a history of. I'm not talking about you have evidence on an individual who did a specific act, which is what the criminal, like, I'm not a lawyer, but when you go in the fucking court, you have to have actual evidence that that 
person did something, not like you associate, like you say, guilt by association. But if we're going to do that, can we start busting up some of the gangs in Chicago? Because, like, I'm pretty sure they announced that they're members of a gang. Let's just go arrest them all. That's bizarre to me. And while we're at it, can we call rich people a gang? Because <laughs> they commit crimes. I think if a rich one rich person commits a crime and has known history of committing crimes, can't we just arrest? I mean, that was crazy to me. That yeah. is fucking insane. I, I never heard of such a thing in my life. But it is Indiana, and that's where Pence came from. So, you know. Right? He came from Indiana. The laws bend in um, strange and convenient ways, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. So that's all I have. That's all I have for Iran-Contra. I hope that um, in the three episodes that you guys have managed to get the <laughs> scope of it, I feel like we we're kind of all over the place. With all and of our side brands. Mick and I have been on this for probably four months now, just reading books about it, watching documentaries about it, um, trying to sort out the inconsistencies book, between the... Which I highly recommend is um, called The Iran-Contra Puzzle. It had a lot of really excellent information. Printed in it. by the Congressional Quarterly Incorporated. Now, when I ordered this um, from Thrift Books, I thought um, that it was the full. And now I realize how ridiculous that was because the full, like, it has testimony in it. It has excerpts of important testimony in it and a timeline and who the people are and all that. But the full testimony, how many volumes do you think that Holy is? Holy shit. I have no idea. I mean, if it went on for eight years. Like, you could never even put that in a fucking... <laughs> no, probably not. Like, it's a library. The Iron Contra is like its own library. It, I think it should be in the Reagan library. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, the only other thing that we might do is go into the aspect of the drug dealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little because bit about Dark Alliances, Gary Webb. Huge, um, you know, a lot of questions that I don't think were ever fully answered about the connection between the how much of the drug dealing was allowed to go on we how much talk was about encouraged uh, to go on maxine waters too oh, yeah and her badass escapades and all of that mm-hmm. which can never be forgotten yes like i don't know why people praise nancy pelosi the way they do fuck nancy pelosi man mm-hmm. no she way what the fuck have you ever done somebody against the wall like maxine waters does that's what i'm saying but yeah she used to turn thanks to cia and stands and takes pictures with people like juan guaido yeah what the fuck what the fuck? Although I think I think it is very interesting though. When January sixth happened, I was like tweeted to Nancy Pelosi a picture of her standing with Juan Guaido, and I'm like, "What makes you think that? What what made you not think that standing with a person and a, declaring them a president when they weren't even in the election wouldn't lead to that same kind of thing here? Like she literally stood and took a picture with a guy who she says declared himself the president when he wasn't even in on the ballot, like." Did you not think that shit was coming home, Nancy? Come on. Get a clue. That's the kind of shit, too. I can't believe when she got her hair down or whatever, some stupid COVID thing, people blow that up in the media. But I'm like, <laughs> I haven't seen one article about this one Guaido thing. You're fucking kidding me. No, it's it, because... I hate it's, America so much. It's both sides. I love, love the idea of a puppet in Venezuela. Both sides. Both sides. Love it. So anyway, to sum this up, happy Halloween. The scariest thing is that we're all in this hellscape of America that we can't escape from. <laughs> can't change. Have no power to change. Scary um, dreams. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's all I got. Until next time. Yeah. The only other update I have was, uh, you know, this Build Back Better bill. Joe Manchin still fucking all that up. Oh they dropped God. the paid family leave out of it. 
Yeah. Thanks, um, Joe. Yeah. Thanks, Appreciate thanks it. fucking lot. Um, so I was all raging about that this week, but not surprising at all. Yeah. Maybe we'll finally, uh, I, I don't know. I think all oh, that's going to get dropped and they're not going to accomplish anything out yeah. of that, but. But yeah, our, on our agenda is we got, we want to do the episode on the drug involvement of Iran Contra and then um, also maybe look into some of the Clinton aspects, like how people say that they were shipped in through the MENA airport. There's a whole conspiracy about that. Um, talk about that. And then we wa- I want to go on to um, fascist movements in America. Yeah, talk a little bit about Alan Dulles, oh, Nazis goodness. in America. We've got a lot of... Uh, There's so much about that. We've got a lot planned for the next few months, but... Yeah, I'd like to go in more into the Clinton things. We haven't talked about Clinton much since um, her presidential run. And she's got a lot of dirt that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, how she keeps managing to not become president. I don't know. I mean, she's just got everything. She might, I just, It blows my mind. I mean, she's got all the money. She's got she's all the got scandal. All. She's got all the crime. She's got it all. And people are like, you know, talking about how Trump could never defeat her. I'm just like, yeah, but you think that for a different reason than I think that. She's just got more people in the right places, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what could have been worse. See, the thing in politics. There was no good outcome of that at all. No. I still think that even after the Trump presidency and everything that happened, because again, I say all the time, I mean, everybody fucking knows I hate Donald Trump from, from the, the bottom of my soul. There's, there's not an ounce of me that isn't disgusted by everything that he is, but, um, I still look at his whole presidency and I'm like, it's still just not as evil or corrupt as probably Reagan or Bush and Cheney. I know. Like I or hear Nixon. people say, oh, it's not unprecedented. I mean, it's Nixon, fucking Penn State happened under Nixon. You can't, you just can't. Trump does not even hold a candle to that. Well, I mean, he did try to overthrow our country. He did try to bring the Reagan doctrine home. And so. nothing happened. There's that. I mean, not yet, but I think there's like, you know, oh my God, there's so much more. It's pretty about. bad, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't he know He started that it's a worse. movement though. And like Tucker Carlson. That's the scariest is, part of the Trump yeah, presidency. It's in its birth now. His most dangerous thing was he has implanted the idea that is continuing to grow right now. Yeah. And people, I've already heard people say, oh, Trump won't run in 2024. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He's not done. <laughs> And if it's not him, it's one of his. Listen, I hope he who runs. You know why? Because there's just enough Republicans who hate Trump now, who have turned on Trump. Like, he lost to Biden, right? There's just enough Republicans who hate Trump to split the ticket. You know what I'm saying? And then what are we going to get, Kamala? Because she'll probably run. After no, but Joe I'm Biden. saying, like, anytime you get, um, you know, people like... Okay, for example, you had Hillary and then you had Bernie. Major divide in the party. Right. What happened? People unified behind Trump. Enough people coalesced from their various factional directions. They came behind Trump just because I hate Hillary more, because I'm a small businessman, whatever, for Trump to win. And, you know, that same thing happened with Biden because enough people just fucking Democrats were freaking out the whole time Trump was in there. It motivated them. And even though they a lot half the party wanted Bernie, they coalesced behind Biden to get rid of Trump. So if Trump runs, I think it's going to split the independent vote between he's not going to get enough. Yeah, I don't people. know that there's enough uh, fuck your feelings people left. I mean, there 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 there's a hardened group of them that are becoming more intense. 
and that's scary. But um, I think in the general, we'll see what happens in Virginia because the guy in Virginia is kind of avoiding Trump and he's saying this isn't about him, it's about Virginia. He's kind of been the guy that's running for governor, Virginia. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to see there. Although Terry McAuliffe, they couldn't get somebody better than that, but well, whatever. Well, anyway, we'll wrap this up there before we get too sidetracked uh, speculating about an election that isn't for a few years. So <laughs> this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off.